A wise old monk once said that contemplation is the highest expression of our intellectual and spiritual life. It is that life itself, fully awake, fully active, fully aware that it is alive. It is spiritual wonder. It is spontaneous awe at the sacredness of life, of being. It is gratitude for life, for awareness, and for being. And lastly, he said, it is a vivid realization of the fact that life and being in us is processed from an invisible, transcendent, and infinitely abundant source. To access that source, we use contemplative intelligence. Accessing the highest kind of intelligence that we have through our intellect, through our emotional intelligence, gets us to a place that is nothing short of accessing a quantum field that has a scientific base as much as a spiritual base. Contemplation itself actually goes beyond reason. And I say it goes above reason. In other words, it transcends reason and intellect. How many times I said intellect is sharp and it does nothing much than cut us to pieces at the end of the day. Our minds are set automatically on a trajectory to becoming more and more riddled with ego defense mechanisms. These put us into fight and flight mode, as we know. That's okay, but a new reality is staying in that mode for longer and longer. And what that's doing is creating toxic chemical reactions in our bodies and our minds. Contemplative intelligence is rarely like the mind's highest intelligence in many, many ways. Like the binary system is a bunch of zeros and ones, zeros and ones, life itself can be looked at as problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. So those zeros and ones can be the questions and answers of life. And if we listen to anything that the philosophers have got to say, like Einstein, you know, the answers to life are actually in questioning everything. And that's really a philosophy that CQ takes. If we look at it another way, we've got the alpha and the beta brainwaves. We've got our right and our left brain. We've got our forebrain and our hindbrain. And all of these paradoxes work together in a zero-one system to make life either heaven or hell, either chaos or order. And if we work hard at life, we tend to have more order than chaos. And as we activate our alpha waves, we relax. And as we activate our beta waves, we are pushed into action potential. And it is through that zero and that one of the alpha and beta waves that we can go through and create more questions, which are answers to the original question. So if life is about questioning, you want to make sure you're asking the right questions of life. And CQ is the answer that can really get us to those right questions. Life is an unfolding mystery. You're never going to have. We never get, we've been around the universe. We're never going to have all the answers. What we're going to have is more questions, and let's make sure they're the right ones. How we get to those questions, we can clearly see 
traveled around the universe. We've been from one side to the other with the Hubble. And what do we find? More and more mystery unfolding. If we look at zeros and ones in terms of alpha and beta waves, we take action, which we do 17 hour day jobs. We do it with uh, pushing ourselves to the limits in our performance with our sports, whatever it might be. If you're not activating both alpha and beta, you're in trouble. You end up having a career as a famous sportsman and you end up swimming and winning 10 gold medals. You end up going around the basketball court and retiring and going, well, what now? And falling into a deep depression or a deep zero. What you need is to start asking the right questions. And how you do that is in silence. And then you take action. Silence and action is contemplative intelligence. And is the most important word that we can use with contemplative intelligence. It is the silence and the action that actually get us somewhere. Right now, all we're doing is action. We're ending up sick, depressed, afraid, and alone. And it's not working. What we need is a stabilization through the middle between alpha and beta, between left and right brain. And and is where we put both sides of the brain together, both hemispheres, both alpha and beta waves, both calm, relaxation, and effort and action. And we put it all together, and this is where healing, performance, and a higher life, which we've all been looking for through spiritual awakenings, consciousness, uh, through everything that we do, we are looking for a higher purpose and a higher meaning to our lives. And we can actually find it, not in the action, but in the silence. It's not just the binary system that has an opposite. Everything has an opposite. It's not just the zeros and ones. It's day and night, light and dark, morning, evening, pain, pleasure, beginning and ending, and so on and so it goes. Now, if we are alpha and beta waves in our thinking, we are not just our bodies. And this is what they refer to as a spiritual side of ourselves, which is pretty much in the most technological age we've ever had, is left untapped. And it's created absolute chaos in terms of how happy people are. I think if we had to measure happiness today, it would be at an all-time low, never mind something like calm or peace. It's at an all-time low and it's missing. It's missing in our politics. It's missing on our TVs. It's missing in our schools. It's definitely missing in the work that we do. And if we're looking at a zero and one, understand that our thinking has to also be, if everything else is two, day, night, light, dark, if it's all two, if it's both, then why are we only doing the action and not the resting states? How do we possibly think that that's going to do us any good? And people are waking up and saying, uh, you know, I've, I'm doing a, a two-hour sleep schedule and I'm working the rest of the time and I've already made a billion dollars and so on. Is that intelligent? When you're sleeping two hours a day and you're working for money that you're never going to use, how can we look at that kind of thing as intelligent? And that's what's being pushed. That's what people are aspiring to today, never mind. They're looking at living lives like that because they think performance is going to make them happy. 
and performance is the expectation of not only the world, but of parents and significant others. A samsara, a life circle, is not an ending. The last book in the Bible, Revelation, doesn't say end. The first one says beginning. The last one says mystery, unfolding. And that is what consciousness is in itself. Your consciousness is the only thing that's really, really changing here. You're becoming more and more conscious as you go through life. And you have a very retracted consciousness in the beginning. And you expand that consciousness. And when you expand it to a certain degree, it can even make you feel like you're in the dark night of the soul. But that's only halfway there. That's not the end, right? It's always unfolding. So it's a samsara. It's a circle. It's, a, it's carrying on. And then you get to the end of life. One day when you don't expect it. And even that might be a new beginning. But that's not really the spirituality we're talking about. We're talking about spirituality in terms of taking enough time to stay still and see who's running that dialogue in my head, because that's not me. I can say hello in my head, and I can hear it, but it's not me, because I'm hearing it. So there's two, and that brings us to the word and. It's stillness and action. It's alpha and beta. It's zeros and ones all over again. And what we've got to realize is one without the other causes chaos. The two together are literally what produce order, not only in the system, the universe, every other system, the system of the brain too. If we're only using one, if we're on, if we're pushing, if we're trying to do the same things over and over again that don't work for us, bang, we're going to hit survival brain, back of brain. That brain is still trying to push you forward, but it doesn't have any nuances. There aren't any. The answer is, slow down. The answer is, stop. Stop doing that. Your fight, flight, freeze is no good at stopping doing that. It'll throw you into an anxiety attack when there's nothing around to even scare you. And this is the power of the brain and how we need to get out of it. What separates our animal self our lizard brain, monkey brain, whatever you're going to call it, is like living like an animal. You don't need to live in survival mode because you have the Imago Dei, you have the image of God, and that is your empathy, your ability to choose an attitude like everything else. Everything else, the banana, the world, the river, the sea, it's all giving. And if you're not giving, you're going to be in pain. You're going to be resisting, so you're going to be in pain. And you don't have a progressive, joyful, happy, peaceful life when you're in survival brain. So what contemplative intelligence does is allows you to perform at your peak with laser, laser focus. And after that, be able to take laser, laser focus on stillness, centering yourself. Becoming peaceful where your brain waves actually start creating something new. They start pushing you into your prefrontal 
where of course they believed the third eye was located. Of course they did. Because that's where creativity is. That's where new questions come from. If you're in anxiety, depression, anything, you're going to be in the back of your head, you're going to be asking the same questions in the wolf hours of the evening, lying awake at three o'clock in the morning, and you're never ever going to get an answer. And you end up frustrated, angry, tired. You cannot reproduce energy unless you are activating your alpha and beta waves together, your zeros and ones, your own cosmic system. And because when you lose that energy, you turn off. And when you turn off, pain is activated to tell you, hey, your hands on a hot stove here. You're stuck. So the only way out of it is not more obsessive thinking or intellect. It is, as our wise old monk said, going beyond the intellect. And that's transformation. Nothing fancy, it's scientific, it's math. You go above yourself. And that's true management. You've got to manage yourself as a witness, as an observer. They've got told, everybody's been telling us for, for ages. You've got to show up in reality and look at what's going on. And that is contemplative intelligence at its core. It is the space, the silence, the mystery. It's out there. If you fly up in a rocket, you'll see it. Nothing but space, silence, and mystery. It's the same in your head. And if you're not activating that stuff, you're losing out. When an athlete says, I'm in the zone, he's using his contemplative intelligence to be in that zone, where everything is flowing. So it's here in your prefrontal cortex that people have told us for centuries. This is the place where we see without seeing. It's not about vision. It's about no vision. It's about what's already there. It's about seeing without seeing. I was once blind, but now I see. CQ is that part of our brain which sages have been telling us existed all our lives. It sees without seeing. That's what it does. It sees without seeing. It's not a vision. It's already there. It doesn't need a vision. In fact, you're getting rid of the vision. It is knowing by unknowing. And that's what silence is. What is happening? Everything and nothing. Zero and one together. If we are truly going to be intelligent, we cannot only use our IQ. Our IQs in the most technologically advanced age we've ever lived in are not getting us anywhere. Some might even argue we're going backwards in many ways. That there's a dumbing down with more knowledge than we've ever had. Empathic intelligence, emotional intelligence will get you there. It will get you to the front where you can then access a contemplative, outlook and you can be part of an unfolding consciousness an unfolding mystery without anything in fact by doing nothing it's available to everybody it's free of charge 
It's accessible everywhere. It's everything. And it is like a zero. You cannot divide it. You cannot do math on a zero. And that's what the space is. And holding space for yourself to hold space, to develop a CQ, is where the next generation of medicine is going to go into self-regulation. And we do that through mind yoga, meditation, yoga, stillness. So I'm always asking people who they are without their story. And that's pretty much what we want to talk about today. Is your authentic self. Who were you before the story got complicated and perhaps like many of us, messy? And in the very beginning, we're born at a young age and we things are going marvelously and then we turn two. And at two years old, we make one of the biggest decisions that we'll ever make in our lives. Is the world a malevolent and violent place? Or is the world a safe and loving and caring place? And that decision, that split that we go through, really, really shapes the trajectory for the next seven years of our lives. Maybe the whole bunch of it. And that decision apparently is made every seven or eight years. But something happens as we grow up. And we go on a hero's journey in life. And we experience a lot of pain and a lot of pleasure. A lot of trauma is experienced for most people in childhood, which ends up becoming adult disease. Addictions and depression and stress response all begins with trauma. And it can be many, many years or decades until we can actually deal with these things. So the main part we want to talk about is who you were before your story. And who you be are is a person without ego defenses. There was no need for ego defenses. We were being cared for and nurtured and loved in an environment where we got what we wanted, when we asked for it. Life then becomes complex, challenging. We go through traumas and stress. And it's that closing off that makes us not only codependents, but that makes us respond to stress in a negative way. And add on a decade or two or three, and that stress literally becomes habitual. It becomes our body. The thoughts that we have about stress are our story in the mind. The emotions that we have in our body are our body's stories about how we've felt. And what happens is, we develop these ego defense mechanisms over time. And as we know, we're prone to certain personality disorders, certain dispositions, eccentricities, anxieties and fear. So from going from somebody who doesn't have a story to a person who has a story can often not be as simple as we might first expect.
Our ego defense mechanisms are created through a personality. Persona, of course, meaning mask. And we mask what is inside with happy smiles, happy-go-lucky attitudes on the outside that sometimes wear thin. So we put on masks and we start living two lives, an external, outer, smiley life, and an internal, inner, maybe not so happy life. And when people ask us how we are, we say we're fine. And when people challenge us, which is more important, we quickly close off. We've been hurt in the past and it's not gonna happen to us again. So we close. And it's our ego defense mechanisms that help us do that. So we can learn from a very young age to judge a situation in the fraction of a second. And when we judge these situations, it's an ego defense that stops any form of attack from occurring. We can play the victim. We can learn how to people please, to get what we need, to not be hurt, to comply. So without proper work, our minds are set on a trajectory towards getting more and more closed off, riddled with these ego defense mechanisms. Just like keeping fit keeps our bodies capable, so exercising our mind empathically, lovingly, So we learn to be judgmental. We learn to be codependent. We learn to be victims, people pleasers. We learn how to use anger, how to turn an on and off a situation. Second to a bird of prey, human beings have the sharpest eyes on the planet. They were designed that way so we could sense danger miles ahead of us on whichever path we were traveling. We'd be able to see snakes, in the grass and we'll be able to see them with a sharp laser focused eye and avoid danger but if we stay in that mode that mode of survival that it creates when we see the snake we're going to start seeing sticks and pieces of rope as snakes as well and we're going to jump every time we see them over time it can create not only moods and attitudes but it can create a person in terms of a persona and that person may not be the person you were without your story. We can come across as judgmental, selfish, narcissistic even. These things don't help us in our careers, in our relationships. They don't help us with performance. And they certainly don't help us with our anxiety. Understanding that we're in threat response and we need to get out of it is what CQ essentially does. It is about understanding that you need to go above yourself, your persona, your defenses and see yourself and the situations around you for what they really are. And what the situations normally are, are not as stressful, are not as chaotic, and are not as frightening as our minds might have us believe. So the work of CQ is essentially going to take you to the place you were before you created your story to protect yourself, which was an essential thing that you had to do. We all had to do it. But overprotecting ourselves 
over defending ourselves means we're at war. And we're at war with other people. We're at war with opportunity and we're at war with purpose. What we need to do is learn how to switch on. And once we switch on, which we do here, creativity, spontaneity, ingenuity, and all these amazing things return to us. The downstairs of the brain, the survival part of your brain, has no time for creativity. Never show a hungry person the view I was always taught. It's not going to work. You need to look at your needs, certainty, uncertainty, significance, and where you are in your life. If you need love and belonging, growth, wherever you're going to be, and you're going to be able to activate that side of your life through your prefrontal cortex. Far better than you're going to be able to do in a survival frame of mind. So over time, not activating the front of our minds, where all this magic and mystery supposedly lie, there comes a cost. And the cost is how we feel, think, and do life. If creativity is in the front of your brain, and we're always at the back of our brains, how can we expect to have any sense of adventure, any sense of curiosity, and fascination with life. How can we be anything besides bored, dull, and jaded? That is the cost, without us even knowing, of that our insurgents make by keeping us over-defended in this fortress and closing us off to the best of life. And so the hero's journey that we all have to take in this life seems to be going back, returning to the authentic self. Our ego insurgents that drive the creation of more and more ego to the point of grandiosity, narcissism, absolute judgment of everything else, leaving us without any gratitude. takes us away from who we were without our story. So we end up creating, each and every one of us, as we survive and forget how to thrive, three master insurgents. Fear, distrust, and drama. In drama, we're always creating things to distract us. In fear, we're always anxious, worried, deeply concerned and distrust breaks our relationships, makes us judgmental and jealous, makes us egotistical. And our 10x insurgents develop from these three groups differently for each and every one of us. Our 10x ego insurgents are there constantly reminding us about the trauma we experienced as a child. No matter what, we were codependent and we have all experienced trauma. And our 10x ego insurgents are designed to go there like soldiers winning a war for us and judge a situation as dangerous and make us the people pleaser and make us anxious and make us be eccentric and odd where we exclude ourselves 
and we think we don't fit in. It is moving from those insurgents back to sacred self that the CQ process activates. It uses your head and your heart. It uses action and silence. The space between the bars holding the tiger to activate a higher self, a higher form of thinking than intellectual thinking. Our job as CQ practitioners is to get you back into a state of sacred self, an authentic state. So when we ask you, who are you? Or more importantly, when you ask yourself, who are you without your story? You come to understand that you're sacred, capable, being without limits. The answers out there are always yes, and we've seen it done with the best of us. We've seen records broken, we've seen boundaries shattered, and we need to do it with ourselves. And that is performance, that is progress, and that is peak functioning. Your journey to sacred self is who you are without your story. It is back to thrive from survive. And it is where we all belong. It is a new earth, a new way of being, where we can finally recover, heal, and transform.